Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast, and I am with my friend and conversation partner, Timbo. He has been with us in the last three episodes, and as we were talking offline, he shared a sentiment with me that I thought was interesting enough for him to say to you all, both of you who are listening right now. So listen up. Go ahead, Tim. Why don't you share what you shared with me? When you were talking about the podcast earlier and how the episodes really build on one another and kind of network together to enhance one another and provide a fuller picture of what the kingdom is all about, I thought that the unique thing about this podcast is that it has a breadth to it, but it also goes really deep. And the way that you've managed to do that is to have this, this variety of conversation partners, you know, John and Denzel, Michael, Nicholas, Brian, me. So we're all focused on the kingdom and we're going deep. We're taking a really deep dive into every mention of the kingdom in the New Testament. So there's a richness there that you don't get with, okay, we're gonna do two weeks on this topic and two weeks on that topic. But you also get an incredible breadth of insight and perspective because not only do you have different people sitting in this seat, but the interplay between you and your conversation partner, a whole new set of things gets brought up. We evoke things from one another. You and Denzel have a rhythm that just is all its own. And hopefully that really is a blessing to all the people that are listening. I appreciate that because I have had in my heart for years to create a podcast that was a conversation with someone else. I was inspired with the idea when I heard a business podcast many years ago where the person who was the creator of the podcast had one of his good buddies on and they did a number of shows and it was a conversation and I loved it. And as I was listening to the episode, I thought I would love to have this for one of my podcasts. And the Insurgents podcast had not come into being It wasn't even on the radar. I hadn't even written the book Insurgents. So this was pre-Insurgents. This was pre-Insurgents podcast. But I loved it so much. I even asked the Lord when I was listening to this business podcast. I said, Lord, I want to have a podcast that has a partner, a conversation partner, and has the same dynamic but I'm listening to right now for your kingdom and your glory and the service of your people. And here we are. It's happening. Now, I thought it was only going to be one partner, (laughs) and it's managed to be six different voices. And I think every single person I've had on here, uh, including the late Michael Heiser, which was pretty heavy blow when he departed this life early, but every one of them has had a unique dynamic. And I like that you said that even though each episode is an hour or less, we are drilling down pretty deep on what I think is the heart of each of these passages and 
More importantly than that, the application and the adaptation to the lives of the Lord's people and for furthering and advancing the insurgents, because that's really why we put this podcast into being. So I appreciate those kind words. And just for our listening audience, Timbo is a highly educated individual. How many seminaries have you been to? Four or five. He has been through four or five seminaries. He has more degrees than a thermometer. He presently teaches at a university, and he's also a lead pastor. And he's read everything and heard everybody. So coming from him, that observation, which really was a great compliment in the beginning, is no small thing, at least not to me. All right, are we ready for today's passage The next reference to the kingdom in the Gospels, it's in Matthew 18. Tim, why don't you go ahead and read the passage to our listening audience. All right. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children, and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then this fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Mm. And what version is that? That is the New Revised Standard Version. Okay. Well, I guess I'll kick this one off. Before I make a few points about this text in relation to the kingdom of God, I watched a Dateline, one of my favorite shows. My wife and I really enjoy it. And I think the episode was called The Haunting. And it was about forgiving the unforgivable. And I think many of you listening to this probably have had something unforgivable done to you by another. And by unforgivable, I mean in human terms. But anyway, in this episode, it featured a man who years ago, when he was 16 years old, had a sister who at the time was 12. And they were the victims of a horrific crime. Essentially, two men entered their home, killed their parents right in front of them, did horrendous things with a 12-year-old girl, and finally, after a long period of time, were captured, put in jail, but the damage was done. You know, these two people lost their parents at a very young age. The young girl was scarred for life. And what they showed as they interviewed the man, and he told the story, 
is that he was able to visit the ringleader of the two in prison and uh, forgive him for what the man had done. Now that's an example of forgiving the unforgivable. And so when I looked at this passage, I thought of that episode. Here is one of the statements I want to make at the very beginning. God's demands are his promises. I'll say it again. God's demands are his promises. If he says to forgive regardless of the offense, that's a promise because he's not going to demand of us or even ask us to do anything he will not empower us to do. So the word to forgive, I take that not as a cold, hard demand that I have to try really hard to carry out. I take that as a promise. You're promising me that you're going to empower me by your life and your spirit to extend forgiveness to anyone who has hurt me. And so I say that to everyone who is listening to this because all of us have things in our life, scars, wounds that have been inflicted by other people. I find it interesting that Jesus says in response to Peter, and by the way, I'm sure you know this, but the Jewish rabbis taught that you forgive a person three times. That was the limit. <laughs> and so I, I think Peter here is, he's making it bigger. He said, well, I'm following this man, Jesus. He's radical. You know, he, he's always upping the ante on what the rabbis teach. So I'm just going to do it myself. So how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven times? You know, that's double plus what the rabbis teach. And then the Lord, of course, he's always surprising. No, 70 times. Or, in some translations, 70 times 7. So some manuscripts say 77 times. Other manuscripts say 70 times 7. But, of course, the point is the same. And that point is, don't even consider counting. (laughs) So let's see. 490 times. I have 490 forgivenesses in me. Tim, I'm up to 480. That leaves 10 left, so you better tread softly, my friend. (laughs) No, (laughs) the point is, he's making this a big number. And, of course, 7 is the number of completion. So whether it's 77 or 70 or 490, counting is not the issue. It's unlimited. Let's talk about the story. Because before I want to make my next point concerning what really struck me here is that this analogy that Jesus gives is incredible. First of all, the number 10,000, because he says 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, right. right. Is the largest single number in Greek that could be expressed. So he takes the ultimate, right? There's no number in Greek beyond 10,000. He takes the superlative number. And then 10,000 talents is so astronomical, it's more than what was in circulation in the country at the time. So the amount is beyond what was even accessible. So the picture here he's drawing is it's impossible to pay this debt. Mm -hmm. It is an impossible debt to pay. 
That's the first observation. Why don't you go ahead and add to that? Yeah, yeah. 10,000 talents is about 160,000 years of wages. <laughs> I love so that. if you work for 160,000 years, <laughs> you, could, you could pay it off. All right. You, exactly. Great picture. This is... This is the thing. This, this is, is classic Jesus. Right, you know? right, right. This is this is the people walking around with logs poking out of their skulls. Right. It's it's ridiculous. And I think that's exactly the point. Is this debt is beyond comprehension. And so the slaves' request all is equally crazy. Have patience with me, and I'll pay it all back. Just wait a hundred sixty thousand <laughs> years, and we'll be good. <laughs> There's so no way. assuming I can work and make the day's <laughs> that's, wage that's, that's every single, single one yeah. of those days. Yeah. That, so it's it's not happening. And so, of course, the the king here, the king here is not having any of it. He's not going to say, okay, fine, get to work. He's going to recognize that he recognizes the reality. There's no way this is going to happen. There, or actually, there is only one way this is going to happen. Mm. And that's pure grace, pure mercy. That's the only way. A complete turning upside down of the system, right? Because the way the system works is you pay your debts. And if you can't pay your debts, like the text tells us, what happens? You and your family and all your possessions get sold to pay off as much of the debt as possible. But that's the way the system works. But the, the king is smart enough to say, nobody wins that way. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing good that happens that way. And so the king just gives pure grace and forgiveness. Mm. And of course, the way you know the way the story continues is, oh, then that slave goes to somebody and says, signs another slave that owes him a hundred denarii, right? A hundred days' wages. Mm. Just got forgiven a debt of a hundred and sixty thousand years of wages. <laughs> somebody else owes him a hundred days and pay me back. Same request. Same request. Have patience with me. Mm and I will pay you everything. And the difference here is that's possible. It's only 100 days wages. Might take a long time to pay it back, mm. but it's possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. It's not in the realm of ridiculousness and, and there's no mercy, right? We are following the rules and the rules say, I get to throw you in prison until you pay me all the money mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing because that's the way the system works. Mm-hmm. The, the first slave just doesn't get that the king is wiping out the old way of doing things, completely wiping out the old way of doing things. And I think one of the hints that we get that too, and this is disputed, some scholars say that this really isn't there and that we, should, that we shouldn't go up there, but I think it's there. Mm-hmm. And that is, if you go with the translation of 77, if you look back into Genesis 4, mm-hmm. Lamech, one of Cain's sons, says in Genesis 4, Verse 24, if Cain can be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech 77-fold. Mm. Lamech is multiplying vengeance, right? That's, right? that's what's happening. As the world kind of goes downhill after Genesis 3, yes. 77 is the vengeance number. Okay. And in this text, Jesus is saying, no more vengeance. Perfect. I cannot fathom a person saying that's not these are the scholars that just cannot connect any dots from old to new testament and jesus had the old testament completely in his heart and spirit after hearing it week after week in the synagogues etc and 
he understood where all the dots connected <laughs> and he understood the image that was painted when you connected all the dots it was himself so absolutely and that's an excellent insight one thing i failed to mention is the talent is the largest unit of currency so that goes along with the largest number the amount of money didn't even exist to pay off this debt but i guess i'm seeing two things here one is I guess the first point that the Lord is making is that we have a God of inexhaustible forgiveness. His forgiveness is immeasurable and without limit. Unlimited forgiveness. We're talking about God the Father's forgiveness toward us. Unimaginable generosity. Unbelievable mercy. There is no limit to his generosity. And his undeserving people, you and me, receive his unlimited, unearned forgiveness, and that is the basis upon which the call of Jesus lies to extend that forgiveness to others. Mm. I just spent four days with a group of Christian leaders, and one of the things we talked about is this ongoing circulation, ongoing transference, reflecting and re-reflecting emanating and re-emanating that goes on between the Father and the Son eternally through the Spirit. It's an inner divine exchange of love. Father loving the Son, the Son taking that love and loving his Father back with it by means of the Spirit. The Father is pouring out his glory upon the Son. The Son is receiving that glory and then turning it right back to the Father. And the Spirit is the glory itself. In the same way, the only way that we can forgive another person is not by trying to conjure up forgiveness. Hmm. It's by receiving the forgiveness of God, embracing it, and then releasing that same forgiveness to the person who has injured us. And what this is showing me is that the offenses, at least in God's eyes, that we have committed against our Creator is far more severe than what a human can do to us. And I suppose it's because we're dealing with a holy God who's pure and perfect. One man described forgiveness like the air in your lungs. You can only inhale air once you have breathed out the present lungful of air. If you don't exhale that breath, you'll suffocate. And so in the same way, having an open heart to forgive others by means of God's forgiveness now is necessary for receiving his forgiveness. If you want God's forgiveness, be a people prepared to give it to others, just like breathing. For me anyway, what this parable is doing is it's giving us a totally different perspective on our own offenses against the living God and the offenses of others against us. And you know, having a different perspective affects our emotions and it also affects our decisions. I've given these examples before in another context, but uh, I remember distinctly, I was driving down the highway and uh, I looked in my rear view mirror and I saw a police officer. He wasn't very far away from me. He was in the same lane and his lights were going on. And immediately the emotion I had was dread because I don't want to get a ticket. <laughs> They're expensive. <laughs> so I saw those flashing and there was dread. But then he picked up speed and he passed me. And guess what? 
no more dread. Mm. Now it was relief, joy, (laughs) (laughs) happiness. Just like that. What? My perspective changed. Mm. Right? You're in a line at the grocery store and you're in a rush and uh, a man cuts in front of you and you flash anger. You feel righteous indignation. And then you find out the man is blind. All of a sudden, what happens? Your emotions change. No more anger. Mm. Now there's sympathy. Change of perspective affects your thoughts, your emotions, and your decisions. In the same way, if we could see this parable as a reflection of God's forgiveness and how he sees our debt, right, our offenses, it certainly changes the perspective on how we view the offenses of others against us. Absolutely. And we have an example of how how a piece of this works well in another in another story is that I, I think you're absolutely right where things break down here is with that first servant that first slave it doesn't break down when he grabs the other slave by the neck and says give me the money mm-hmm. it breaks down before that it breaks down when he doesn't realize what forgiveness means mm-hmm. that he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't internalize that grace mm-hmm. right Good. Maybe he's still wondering, oh, well, I'm okay now, but what's going to happen tomorrow if I run up more debt? He isn't in the place where he's recognized that old system of debt and obligation is gone. Mm. It's gone. There, there is no earning, right? There is no way to earn it. Yeah. That system doesn't work. And he's still in the place of, well, that's the only system I know. And so he is unwilling. He's unwilling and un- unable to forgive but I like what you said at the beginning that God's command is always God's promise yes amen God's command is always God's promise and we see that in Luke 7 with the story of the sinful woman coming Mm. to Simon the Pharisee's Mm. house right and she comes there and she's She's weeping and she's bathing Jesus' feet with her tears and putting the ointment on them. Mm. And she's she's changed, right? She is transformed. She knows, she knows that she's been forgiven. And that that changes everything. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, She loves much because she's been forgiven much. Mm. Right? That the change happens. When we realize what's going on with our relationship with God then we move into a place where it's possible for us to then pass that grace on, to pass that grace on to somebody else, to pass mm. that mercy on to somebody else. Because we can see that, that in the kingdom, that system of you're going to get thrown into prison for your debt and we're going to keep track of your debt, that system's gone because mm. it's grace, right? The vengeance system is gone. It's grace Mm. now. Amen. This is a kingdom parable. It's a kingdom teaching. Entrance into the kingdom of God is associated with being forgiven and then as a result, extending that forgiveness to other people. Mm. Consequently, the kingdom of God is populated by people who have been forgiven and who in turn forgive others from the heart. 
And again, this is an example of the Lord giving us counterintuitive answers and counterintuitive teaching. Entering the kingdom relates to receiving and extending forgiveness. This is also found in a teaching by Jesus in Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Why would we place a limit on our forgiveness? According to Jesus, if you place a limit on your forgiveness for others, God will place a limit on you. It's one of those things that fits into... Whatever measure you use will also be the measure that is used for you. Yeah. It's a law of the kingdom, really. I have watched more Christians become embittered because of the way they were treated or because they took offense. Even if the other person had no intentions of hurting or offending them, they took offense. They chose to take offense and it poisoned their spirit. You know, when we look at what the Lord is saying here, depending on the severity of what an individual has gone through, that hill will be harder to climb for some than others. But I come back to that Dateline episode. Here's a man who kills your parents in cold blood in front of you and your 12-year-old sister. The man brutalizes your 12-year-old sister in ways that I can't even describe. And that young 16-year-old boy, when he became a man, was able to forgive. Now that's supernatural, Mm -hmm. but that's the promise that God gives. He would never ask, demand, or request anything of us but he would not give us the power to carry out. I have a book entitled God's Favorite Place on Earth. It's one of my personal favorites. I was asked this week uh, which book of mine is favorite, and that was one of them. But in it, I give a prescription, a very practical prescription on how to release someone in forgiveness from the heart, as Jesus said. And it's an antidote against bitterness. And it has worked for me in my own life. I also talk a lot about brokenness and bitterness which I won't repeat here, but if anybody is struggling with forgiving someone, I'd encourage them to read that book. I think it would help a lot. And the other thing I would say is one of the most impactful memes that I have ever seen, and I'm not a big fan of most memes, (laughs) but I saw this one years ago, and it says, life becomes easier when you learn to accept the apology you never got. Mm. I really like that mm. because I think all of us would probably resonate or can relate to what I'm about to say, but there are individuals who owe me an apology, so to speak. They may not even be in touch with it, although they should be. <laughs> <laughs> but I have received and accepted the apology they never gave. And forgiveness, according to the Lord, is not based upon apologies, whether you get them or not. It's nice to have them, and it helps. But if you could receive the apology that you never got and accept it, that's helpful. And I think that it's important to recognize forgiveness for what it is, which is a release from desiring punishment for someone else, Mm. a release of hanging on to resentment. It doesn't mean forgetting everything it doesn't mean saying oh it doesn't matter or even trusting the person right or or it doesn't mean reconciliation right it doesn't mean okay we can go back to the way things were 
unless there's repentance, right, and real right. change. And there can but, be reconciliation. And there can be reconciliation. But forgiveness is different. Forgiveness, forgiveness is the slave does not get sold with all his possessions and family. That's forgiveness. That punishment doesn't happen, right? There's mercy, there's mm. there's release. Mm. And so it's it's not it's not that we have to pretend and make things and go back to the way things were, but it's a release. And what that does is I think that that is a very powerful thing. That's what God does, right? God God releases and then it's up to us. We're already forgiven. Everybody's forgiven. The work is done on the cross, right? There's forgiveness is out there. Does that mean that we're all reconciled with God instantly? No, no because there has to be there has to be a response. There's right. to be relationship restored. Right. But the forgiveness is there, and I think forgiveness is is something that is a gift that God gives because it makes the world look more like the kingdom. That's what it does. It moves the world more toward looking like the kingdom. Doesn't instantly make it that way, but moves it in that direction. It opens up new possibilities. And I think of a story that I know. I was in Rwanda in 2008, and you may remember in 1994, there was a massive genocide in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. About a million Tutsis were, were murdered. And a lot of the killing was done, neighbors killing neighbors. I mean, just horrific, horrific stuff. And there was this woman that I met who her whole family had been killed with machetes mm. and they had the people who were her neighbors from the from the Hutu ethnic group had taken her outside the village and they had dug a trench and they beat her over the head and threw her into the trench and buried her. They thought she was dead, mm. but she wasn't. She claws her way up from under the ground and you know, her whole family's dead. She's been brutalized. After the Civil Wars is over and the genocide stops, it's a story like what you described. You know, mm. she goes and looks for this man in prison mm. to forgive him. And she says, because that is the only way the future opens up. And see, that's, that's, that's the kingdom, right? The kingdom is the future that God has in store for us. And forgiveness is one of the ways that we open up that future. When that man and that woman went to see the perpetrators of the violence in prison and they extended forgiveness, they were not saying, I hope you get out of prison and walk the streets. Forgiveness doesn't mean that if a crime was committed against you, you don't report it. Uh, If they're in prison, it doesn't mean you tried to get on their roll panel and get them out when you're dealing with violent criminals to do that you're just going to endanger somebody else right but it is the releasing them from the prison of your own heart Mm. where you're no longer holding resentment wishing them pain wishing them the worst torture suffering vengeance is basically Mm -hmm. what i'm saying here this text brought up a question in my own heart, and that is, how do I know when I've forgiven someone? And there have been people and instances where those situations will still come to my mind, mm-hmm. and it will still upset me on an emotional level. But I don't wish these people harm. I don't want them to suffer. If there's anger, 
a flash of anger, it's over the situation and what happened. It's not directed toward them, you know, where I want to exact vengeance or see vengeance done. I don't have that. And I think for me, that is an indication that I have released them. Plus, I don't obsess over it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feed the wound, take it home, make it comfortable, pet it, give it a bottle so it keeps growing. That's what bitterness does. You, mm. you cannot get over it. It just haunts you and you feed it. And then, of course, when you talk to people, you just spew venom everywhere and you just trash the person, but not saying anything about them and not rehearsing it. You know, outside of, a, you know, if you need to see a counselor in a private setting, you know, for your own benefit, that's different. But I'm talking about people who just hemorrhage all over the place and then they end up defiling other people and corrupting their view of an individual. And this is what Hebrews says bitterness does. Mm. It corrupts many and it defiles many. But anyway, that's another conversation. It's the, it's the release. It is, forgiveness is the release. And yeah. one, I think one way, to, one way to express it is when your prayer and your hope moves from vengeance and punishment to the prayer that that person would be able to repent and yes. change and be reconciled to God yes. and and Amen. to and to one another, that it's yeah. not a it's not a it's not a let's pretend that everything is fine, but it's it's when that shift happens in your prayer life. I think that's that's when you'd say yes, I'm living into the place of forgiveness. Beautiful, praise the Lord. This is good. It ministered to me. I hope it's done the same for you who are listening. We will see you in the next episode of the Insurgents Podcast. Don't forget to go back and listen to the episodes you've not heard because they all build on one another. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.